<laughs> okay, that's better than coffee, I think. <laughs> Good evening, everyone. Good evening. Welcome to our Wednesday prayer service. Uh, thank you all for coming. Um, I'm excited because I well, we tonight it was, is the beginning of our first of our uh, series that I entitled "Miracles of Jesus." So. Um, it's after the resurrection. I think it's fitting that uh, we remind ourselves of God's power. Amen? Yes, so on Sundays we'll be talking about Ephesians, practical application of the gospel. On Wednesdays we'll be talking about God's power. Amen? And if I forget, I'll be talking about the powers on Sunday and then Ephesians on Wednesday. <laughs> no, uh, it's good. Um, so I have seven weeks of this for us. Uh, so I titled our message tonight, His Power in the Storms of Life. This is the first part of our seven series. Um, during his, this is based on Mark chapter 4, verse 35 to 41. Um, let me read that for you. Sorry, my... It, I lost it. Hold on, let me see. Mark 4... 31 to 35, what is it? 35 to 41. 35 to 41. All right, I'm going to be reading from the uh, Christian Standard Bible. <clears throat> On that day when evening had come, he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the sea. So they left the crowd and took him along since he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. A great windstorm arose, and the waves were breaking over the, breaking over the boat, so that the boat was already being swamped. He was in the stern, sleeping on the cushion. So they woke him up and said, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to die? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Verse 41, And they were terrified, and asked one another, Who then is this? Even the wind and sea obey him. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity and privilege that you've given to us once again to gather as a church, as a church family, to be in this building, Father God, physically, that you provided for us. And we thank you for the songs that you've given to us and the singers and the instrumentalists, Father. May you bless them. Bless us, Lord. Open our hearts and our minds in order for us to hear your word, understand what your will is for us, and to accept whatever it is that you want us to do, to change, and to keep doing. For your glory and yours alone. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, the title of our message is His Power in the Storms of Life. During his earthly ministry, Jesus Christ touched and transformed countless lives. Like other events in the life of Jesus, his miracles were documented by eyewitnesses. The four Gospels record 37 miracles that Jesus performed, with Mark's Gospel recording the most. Um, and I have here 37 miracles of Jesus, we're not going to be doing 37 in this series. We're just going to be having it in seven. Um, 
Jesus did many other things, just like what the Gospel of John said. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that even the whole world would not have been would have not have room for the books that would be written. That's in John 21, 25. So our first question, our first point tonight is why did Jesus do miracles? Oh, are you there? Okay, put it there, please. Sorry, yeah. Why did Jesus do miracles? Jesus performed miracles for several several reasons. First, the miracles of Jesus demonstrate and prove that He is the Messiah and the Son of God, and that we should believe in Jesus. This is in John 20, 30, verse 30 to 31. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of His disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. That's the first point. Second, Jesus' miracles also provided confirmation of His message about the kingdom of God. This is in Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Reference this, this is, uh, it says here, So Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord, who confirmed the message of His grace by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. This is why miracles are happening. Miracles, Jesus did the miracles, and then through the disciples, miracles continued. Also, um, when John, who was in prison, uh, this is the next verse. When John, was, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, Are you the one who is to come, or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, Go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That's in Matthew eleven two to 5 So it's always to confirm who Jesus is, that He is who He says He is. And then third, the signs and wonders of Jesus testify to His limitless compassion for people and His longing to see people set free from all bondage. That's the third point. This is uh, Matthew 14, 14. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, He had compassion on them and healed their sick. See, this is why, those are the reasons why Jesus did miracles. So that's what we're going to be studying. We're going to be seeing, we're going to be reviewing. For, for most of you, I'm pretty sure you already know about them. So we're going to try to get the lessons from them, remind you, or maybe reveal new things. But more importantly, it's just for us to understand and remind ourselves that our Jesus is powerful. Amen? That's right. Second point. This is the first miracle. Jesus calms the storm. I know this is not the first miracle. First miracle on record is Jesus turning the water into wine in the wedding that uh, Jesus said, what, am I, what, do I, what do I have to do about this? But he still did it. But this is the first miracle that we're going to be studying in our series, okay? Um, again, if you guys were listening or paying attention, on verse 35, um, it reads there, On that day when the evening he told them, let's cross over, the re- uh, cross over to the other side. And then look at, look at verse 36. 
So they left the crowd and took him along the side. He was in the boat, and other boats were with him. Why is that important that it's supposed to be, that it's there? Because it's an eyewitness account. It has nothing to do with the story. It has nothing to do with, with the miracle. It's, this is somebody who's writing from memory. So again, this is proof to us Christians, because we don't need enough proof, right? But sometimes maybe we do that the scriptures that we're reading are real. It's not a made-up story. Because if you were to make up a story, you're not even going to have that. Literary experts have examined this, and they said, if you were if people that were writing fictions, there's no point of that, because it's nonsense. The only explanation for that is it's an eyewitness account. The person was writing from memory. Right? And then... Uh, I want to explain about the storm. So where's the verse? Verse 38. A great windstorm arose. Now, um, I'm not sure if we were able to do it. Okay. Um, I have a couple of videos for you guys to see because we're land-loving people, right? Meaning we're not used to the sea and we don't know what it looks like. So I'm trying to give us an idea. This is the Sea of Galilee with a little bit of wind and a little bit of storm. That's just a little. And then the next one, can we go, can you forward it to the, the second minute? So, there's a lot of examples here, but, and then go to, so people are probably thinking, that's why I added the next one is, oh, you know, if I have a big boat, that wouldn't affect me so much if I was in a cruise, cruising line. Can you go to the three minutes and 10 seconds? This is if you were in a cruise line. <laughs> yeah, boom. You got, you got hit there. Yeah, so I'm not going cruising anytime soon. <laughs> but, okay, we can end it there. So a squall is a different way of saying storm. A sudden violent gust of wind or a localized storm, especially one bringing rain. Um, the key word in the verse that we read is it's violent, right? It's violent. The storm that the these expert fishermen face was a violent storm to the fact that they were convinced that they were going to die. This is why I chose CSB version, because they were convinced. In many translations, it was if we're going to die, but really there's no if. The, they were scared for their life. Now, the first miracle of Jesus we will study it right now, what we're studying is in Mark 4, 35, 41. Jesus had been teaching and ministering to large crowds throughout the day. When evening came, Jesus decided to leave the crowds of people by taking several boats to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. During this trip, Jesus fell asleep. This event is a great reminder that Jesus is not just 100% divine, but is, he's also 100% man because he needed to rest. This is also a great reminder for us, 
church workers that we need to rest. Amen? Don't say, Bahala na si Lord, I'm doing this for them. Well, Jesus slept, you know? <laughs> so you need to sleep too, so that you won't be exhausted. You need that rest. That's why there's that day seven, because Jesus, God didn't really, in all honesty, God doesn't really need to rest, right? But He's setting an example for us that if He, the Almighty, all-powerful, needed this, took the seventh day off, you are to take a day off. <laughs> Experienced fishermen were scared that they were going to die. Now, the, the, the Sea of Galilee is about 682 feet below the Mediterranean Sea. So they were below, below sea level. That's why the peaceful calm of the Sea of Galilee can become, can quickly become, uh, can quickly have a violent storm. Wind funneled through the east and west aligned Galilee hill, hill country and stir up the waters quickly. More violent are the winds that come off the hills of Golan Heights to the east. Trapped in the basin, the winds can be deadly to fishermen. Now, there was an, a, a storm similar. Some, they're saying it's somehow similar to this. In March of 1992, the winds sent off 10 feet high waves, crashing into the downtown Tiberias and causing a significant damage. So to, for a small wooden boat that can occupy... So the, as I was doing my study, they said the boat that Jesus was in and the disciples was about 26 feet to at least occupy uh, the, the number of the disciples and Jesus. So with that small of a boat, with a 10 feet high of a wave, that's death. Now many people, this is our application, now many people who have truly surrendered to the love of God and many people who truly love God can suddenly find themselves in the middle of a great storm. Right? And then because of the great intensity of the storm, because of the great pain of the storm, because of the uncertainty that the storm has given that is in their lives, because when you're in the middle of the storm, it's unclear, it's, it's rocky, it's unstable, it's not clear, you don't see the future other than what you're seeing. We tend to question God and we say, God, do you not care right a lot of sincere believing Christians are brought to that question Lord why am I here so the third point what other proofs do you need because Jesus on, on verse 39 answered them he got up rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Silence, be still. The wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And then he said to them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? Now, Jesus' mighty power treated the powerful storm like how a parent will treat a child. Right? <laughs> be quiet and be still. It's like someone in authority to someone who's inferior to them, Right? So the amazing thing is, is that there's two amazing things there. Jesus nonchalantly gets up from his sleep, 
gets up, but he didn't do the, you know, the Harry Potter magic wand thing and start conjuring words like calling on somebody to do it. He just said, silence, be still. So that's amazing. And then the next amazing part, is it happened. It happened. The powerful wind stopped. The waves calmed. And, and, and the biblical scholars said that it's so calm that it's called the great calm. I don't know if you've seen a, uh, uh, when it's like just sitting there, peaceful. So imagine all the, the wind and it just suddenly just quiet. The point there is our God is powerful. He is powerful. He can put out the biggest storms in nature and in our lives. The next lesson there too is that God allows storms in our lives. He does. Not because we belong to Him and have Him in the boat of our lives. It doesn't mean that we are spared from trials, from the storms of life. Following Jesus is not safe. Following Jesus, obeying Jesus is not safe. Some of us, we think it's safe to follow Jesus. That's why we stopped going to church when COVID was around. Because it must be safe before I go to church. Right? No, it's not safe. Following God is not safe. Why? Because the world is completely against God. Everything, everything right now. Nobody can define what a woman is anymore. Right? Nobody can, can in the, if you listen to politics, everything is gray. Everything that's black and white in our Bible, it's a, it's the, the world is saying against it. The, the, the essence of family has been diluted to a point that it's no longer needed, and they, people point out that marriage is no longer needed. Respecting your parents is no longer needed. You just have to watch a Disney show and you'll see that, right? Our God is powerful, but as powerful as He is, He allows storms in our lives. But it doesn't mean, it doesn't mean that He doesn't care. When our prayers are being left and unanswered, our faith is the one that's being tested. When we're facing trials and storms in our lives, our faith is being tested. Now, faith in the Greek language is pistis. Pistis, or persuasion, credence, moral conviction, conviction of the truth of anything. You know, if you relate faith to God, it's the conviction that God exists and is the creator and ruler of, ruler of all things, that He created all things just by saying it. That should be our conviction, and our conviction, that's our faith. Conviction is something that grips you, that holds you. It's not an opinion. An opinion can come and go. Oh, I thought Kobe Bryant was good until John Morant came out, you know? Or Michael Jordan was good until Kobe came out. That's an opinion because it's movable. But a conviction stays. It remains. Challenges in our lives come. Storms in our lives become so challenging. But our faith in God says He loves us despite these challenges. He is with us despite this storm. 
Our faith relating to Christ, a strong and welcome conviction or belief that Jesus is the Messiah through whom we obtain salvation, eternal salvation, by just believing in Him. That's the conviction that anything that we do that is not religious, we will still go to heaven because it's not about us and what we did or didn't do. It's about what Christ has done on the cross. That's our faith in Christ. That's our conviction in Christ. The religious beliefs of Christians is what they say and what faith is. And this is the thing. Faith is also conviction of trusting in God. Right? That's our faith. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Right? In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will lead your path straight. If we think that God doesn't care when storms are in our lives, then there's still a lot of things we need to learn about who He is and what He is about. If we think just because our prayers are not being answered, He doesn't love us, and there's still a lot more about His love that we need to understand and have a grip of. That's probably why He's not answering our prayers, because He wants us to dig deeper from where we were. He wants us to take that next step, that next level of our faith. Next verse. Then they were, they were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey Him. The question that the disciples ask one another is a vital question for us today. Who is this? Even though the disciples had seen Jesus perform other miracles, before this storm, the disciples still do not know exactly who Jesus is. You know, it's fair for them because they don't have the resources that we have. They don't have the Bible just yet. They had the Old Testament. But we have the Old Testament and the New Testament. Witnesses other than the ones in the, in the Bible, but people that we've met that are, that are Christians that have experienced God's power, God's love, and God's miracles. We have all these resources. So we actually, us Christians, especially us Christians, when we say, who is God or what he is, what, he, what is he, what is he about? It just means that we're not digging deeper. We've stopped and we became comfortable to where we were. So we stopped growing. When you stop moving, you stop growing. When you stop reading about him, you stop growing. Who is this, they said. Now, did they believe him to be the Messiah? And we know because of the Road to the Cross series, right? There, some of them didn't until he resurrected. Most of them, actually. Maybe. However, they did not have a conception that the Messiah would be divine. They thought in terms of a human deliverer, like Moses and David. The miracles of Jesus force us to come to a decision concerning Jesus. He was no mere man. He is also God. In Psalm 107, 28-29, it reads, Then they cried out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brought them out of their distress. He stilled the storm to a whisper. The waves of the sea were hushed. See? 
God calms us down. God is the one that gives us peace. He makes the, the sea still. You know, if you think you're a man, that you're still, you're just steady. You know, there's someone who's stiller, stiller than you, and his name is Ben Stiller. <laughs> I even know why I put that in there. <sighs> Stupid, I'm sorry. <laughs> Notice that after Jesus spoke to the winds and the sea, he asked the disciples why they were so afraid and without faith. As followers of Jesus, our faith in God is not merely to trust Him for our eternal destination, but to trust Him in our everyday life. Trusting Him in the storms of life. Amen? Even though Jesus does not directly answer their questions, we know that Jesus indeed, indeed cared for them. He cared so much, and He cares so much for us that he wanted to keep us from hell. And this is, in, this is Jonah. I'm sharing Jonah here. Jonah 1 to 12 reads, He said to them, this is Jonah speaking, Pick me up and throw me into the sea. Then the sea will become calm for you. For I know that on account of me, this great storm has come upon you. We know the story of Jonah, right? Most of us. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh, and he went to the other side, and he was disobedient. And when he was on the ship, God sent storms in order to derail Jonah, in order to remind him where he needed to go. And then he sacrificed himself because he felt guilty that the people were going to die on the boat with him, while he knew very well that it was God talking to him. But Jonah was suicidal. Jonah didn't know that after he was thrown out of the water, the whale was going to take him. Right? This is not Pinocchio. This is Jonah. Pinocchio got it from them. Right? And, and then, so because of that great sacrifice that Jonah, well, that sacrifice that Jonah did for the fishermen or for the people that were on the boat, they were scared still. But people were saved after that because Jonah obeyed. Now, Jesus said that there is no more sign for you other than the sign of Jonah. Now, Jesus is the better Jonah. Because Jesus somehow said, I will face a bigger storm for you. And that's the storm of our sin. And he will throw himself to the storm of the cross. He threw himself to the crucifixion in order to die for our sins, right? If Jesus is God, church, trust Him. Cry out to Him. Trust that He hears your prayers and know that He will answer it according to His will and according to His time. Storms in life are no fun and we don't want it. I pray that I don't face any storms. That's my prayer. However, if our good Lord allows it, we have to trust Him that He knows better than us. And then we can trust that it will strengthen our faith and the people around us that will witness it. And it will glorify God. We can also keep on praying for the storms of other people because we know our God is good. Amen? 
and that our God has the power to stop that storm that faces our loved ones and our friends, especially the storm of hell. We need to keep praying for the salvation of people, right? There's, there's, there's greater success in praying for the salvation of a person than just going there and sharing the gospel without praying. I guarantee it. Because the salvation is the work of the Holy Spirit. You sharing, that's you memorizing the verses, you memorizing your script. But that's as far as it'll go. But it's the work of the Holy Spirit. And God wants us to humble ourselves and to surrender ourselves. So we have to be prayerful before we share the gospel. We have to be praying for their souls. God is powerful. Amen? When we encounter the storms in life and it feels that they are crashing against us and about to overcome us and drown us, we must put our faith in Jesus and know that He loves us and cares for us tremendously. Perhaps Jesus will calm the circumstances that are coming against us. Perhaps not. However, we are, we are to turn to Him with, in faith. We are to turn to Him in prayer. And we are to pray with thanksgiving and expectation that God will give us the peace that we need during the times of the storm. Amen? That's in Philippians 4, 6, 7, right? Well, folks... That is our message. That is our first uh, message in our series of Jesus' miracles. I pray that um, it will truly help you, remind you of who He is, what His power, what His power is, how powerful He is, and that hopefully it will help you navigate through the storms of your life. Amen? Amen. Thank you for your patience. Uh, please join me in a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for... Ah, Lord, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your kindness to us. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. I pray right now, Lord God, for all your people that are here this evening. I don't know what storms they're facing. You do, Lord God, and I pray that you just help them, guide them, Father, hold their hand and walk them through it. Father, continue to strengthen their faith, Lord. Help them and remind them on how good you are, how powerful, powerful you are, Lord. And Father, I pray that you just heal them. Heal the broken hearts. Heal the broken spirit. Encourage those who are discouraged. Heal those who are sick, Father, physically and spiritually. Father, we know that you have, you have the power to do all these things. And I pray, Father, that we will just surrender to that truth, that we will be convicted that you are good, you're powerful, and you love us. Forgive us, Lord, for the times that we've doubted you. Forgive us for the times that we've asked the question, do you care? Father, we know that you do. Forgive us for our shortcomings. We love you, Father. All these things we ask in your Son's sweet and mighty name. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Amen.